Hi, and welcome back to the latest edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. Shai Dweck cannot join us this week, so hopefully he'll be back next week for week 15 of the NFL schedule. So week 14, there are a lot of great games this week as we enter the, the true stretch run of the NFL season. We get to separate the contenders from the pretenders, find out who the true true title contenders are this NFL season. Teams that are on not just on the rise or on the decline, but also teams that are already at the top, already among the elite of the elite, and also some of the teams that could be looking for new head coaches, new general managers, and rebuilding. So let's get right into it, because it's game time. So, let's start with the first game, tonight's game, Thursday night game. And we start off with a bang with a rematch of Super Bowl 53, the New England Patriots taking on the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going with the Patriots here. I know, you know, the game is in LA. The Rams have been playing incredible football as of late, being, you know, they beat Seattle. They're uh earlier in the year, they're coming off a big another big division win against the Arizona Cardinals. But Jared Goff, I feel like, has just played inconsistent football this season. You know, at times he's looked great. You know, I think t- against Tampa was a great example. That entire offense seemed to really click last week against those Cardinals. But we just saw what Bill Belichick and that Patriots defense can do against the Chargers. Now, I know Herbert's not as experienced. And, you know, that Chargers offense has been very good. But we've also questioned some coaching by Anthony Lynn. And just, I mean, that wasn't just an embarrassing output by the Chargers, but also an incredible job by the Patriots. So I'm going with the Patriots mainly because I think their defense will be able to rattle Jared Goff. I think they're going to make Goff, uh, I think they're going to possibly force him to make mistakes. I think that offense is going to have fits with the Patriots defense. And although I don't feel confident about the Patriots' offense, especially going up against another very good defense in the Los Angeles Rams, Rams have been one of the best all-around defensive teams all year, led by Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I think the Patriots' offense will be able to do enough. And I think at the end of the day, New England is going to be able to limit the amount of mistakes when I think the Rams, I could see... I could see the mistakes almost stockpiling a bit, and I think the Patriots, tough road game in L.A., but I do think they'll be able to get a win. Another thing, another reason why I believe the Patriots might get a win is because, if I recall correctly, and I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure New England stayed this entire week in Los Angeles. You know, they played the Chargers in L.A., same stadium, on Sunday, and now they're playing the Rams on Thursday. So, I... Having that entire week of Los Angeles, obviously your body is used to the time zone change and all of that. You don't have the typical short week traveling east coast to west coast that maybe you normally might. So I think that also, I'm, I don't know if it's like, a, a, it's not a disadvantage for the Rams, but compared to other uh, scenarios which we've seen either earlier this year or in years past, I think that does also play to the Patriots' favor. So great Way to start off week 14. Two teams that, hey, don't count the Patriots out of the playoff hunt just yet. So two teams that are still fighting for the playoffs. Rams obviously in a much better position as they lead their division with an 8-4 and record. But 
a game that should be close, should be a very competitive game, is Sean McVay never has lost a game when winning at the half. So we'll see if that continues or if the Patriots grab that early lead and hold onto it. So let's now go to the Sunday slate. And we're going to start off with another division game in the Titans versus the Jaguars. And remember, I believe it was week two, the Titans just squeaked out a win. And obviously, Jaguars, they were coming off a win against the Colts, and they barely lost to the Titans. And we're thinking, oh, maybe the Jaguars aren't as bad as we think. Well, since that game, the Jaguars have looked terrible and have looked like one of the worst teams in football and looked like they're trying to get one of the top quarterbacks in a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or even a Zach Wilson at the top of this upcoming draft in 2021. And the Titans, although they've been very inconsistent, especially that defense, I, this has to be a get-right game. We'll see if Adoree Jackson plays. Obviously, his uh, his absence was well-noticed, and I think anyone who paid any attention to the Titans-Browns game, whether it was during the game or even after the game, they saw that Tennessee had problems all over that defense. Clowney's out for the year. As we all know, that contract did not work out. Dory Jackson, you know, he'll be back. But Jacksonville, they've had they've had a banged up secondary, and I, it wasn't. It was maybe a little bit of garbage time, but also Tennessee did have a decent you know chance to maybe pull out a great upset at in the end. So last week against those Browns. So I do think Tano's playing very well. Henry's playing very well. And this Jaguars team, defense, obviously dealing with some injuries. They have decent pieces on that defense, but obviously they're just not ready yet. So I expect the Titans to get a win against their division rival Jaguars. If they, this has to be a get-right game for the defense, though. You know, obviously, you know, if you're a Titans fan, the win is all that matters, but... You know, if you win a if you win a shootout, but your defense struggles, I, I definitely think that's a red flag. You know, for a team that has a lot higher aspirations than just making the playoffs, we saw Titans were one win away from the Super Bowl, and obviously, that's you know their goal is the Super Bowl. They're eight and four. They're definitely in the hunt. They're pro in terms of a super in terms of how we might rank title contenders. They're probably not a top two or three team in the AFC. But they are probably right on that cusp of are they a legit title contender. But with that defense, they're certainly not. So that defense has to improve, and they have to play well against the Jaguars if they want, just as a confidence builder, if anything. So now let's go to the Minnesota Vikings against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if the season ended today, and I know it doesn't, but if the season did end today, the Vikings would be in the playoffs. The Cardinals would actually miss the playoffs, and the Vikings would be in it, thanks to the uh, tiebreaker. But remember, this Vikings team, they trade Yannick Ngakwe, and they weren't giving up or mailing it in, but it did seem like their playoff hopes were, you know, had vanished, and it did seem like this was a team looking towards 2021. All of a sudden, that defense, specifically the young players, have completely turned a corner, played outstanding football, and been kind of the players we thought the Vikings might be getting at the beginning of the year. There's a learning curve, obviously, going from the college level to the NFL level, especially when you look at positions like cornerback and Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney, who are playing much, much better. And 
whether Minnesota makes the playoffs or not, that has to just be a huge, huge sign of encouragement just for the future if you're a Vikings fan. Just the development of so many of your young rookies and young players overall, which I think speaks volume to the coaching, to guys like Mike Zimmer. You know, there was brief, you know, rumblings like, could the Vikings part with Mike Zimmer? That's not going to happen. Vikings, they've shown fight each and every week. Obviously, even when it seemed like they were down and out, they kept uh, kept competing, kept playing hard, and we see where that has taken them. I do think, though, this kind of will put a bit of a halt in their playoff chances. I think Tampa Bay does get the win. Mike Evans might not play. Uh, he was a non-participant uh, as of this recording today on Thursday. So we'll see if... Evans is able to suit up, but even if he doesn't, I just think the Buccaneers, I do think they have too much firepower on offense, even without Evans, and that defense, that defense has to play better. The defense at the beginning of the year was, you know, great, especially the secondary. The secondary is kind of what surprised many. We all knew they had the linebackers, we all knew they had the pass rushers, but it was the secondary that was playing surprisingly well, and that's when everyone was saying, wow, this isn't just a you know a very good team or a playoff team. This could be a Super Bowl team. Well, obviously, the secondary, led by Jamal Dean and Carl Edwards, has taken a huge step back. As the Buccaneers are still a good team, but they're 7-5. and five. You know, If the Vikings were to win this game, these two teams would be tied at 7-6. and six. So, Tampa, you know, you get another you know team like the Titans where the defense has to play better if they want to seriously compete for a championship. Now, unlike Tennessee, we've seen we've seen that Tampa defense play at a high level. We've seen that Tampa defense rise to the occasion and play like a Super Bowl team and help that offense, you know, even when the offense wasn't going incredibly well. So I do think the Buccaneers uh, do win this game. I think they're too talented to lose this game. And I think, what, coming off a bye week, the Buccaneers should be well prepared. So I like the Bucks in this game, but that defense against guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, two very good receivers, especially Jefferson, who is right in the thick of the offensive rookie of the year conversation with Justin Herbert. This is going to be a tough, tough game for that Buccaneers secondary, and something that you know if you can if you can limit guys like Thielen and Jefferson, that's a huge check mark. If they struggle. You know, it's, t- it's a tough matchup, but it's also a cause for concern as we move forward. But I do still expect the Buccaneers to win this game. And I also think the front seven will be able to cause some problems for, Kirk- for Kirk Cousins, maybe similar to what the Patriots might do tonight against the Rams. So now let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs against the Miami Dolphins, the 8-4 and four Miami Dolphins. I do think the Dolphins do drop this one and uh, slide to 8-5. and five. The Chiefs are just too good. You know, it seemed like it didn't even seem like they played that great of a game against the Broncos. They got stalled in the red zone multiple times, and yet I don't think at any moment in that game people doubted the Chiefs were going to win it. That that's just how good the Chiefs are. That's just how good Patrick Mahomes is. And I mean, Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, said it best. Like he w- he basically said he wishes they Miami could have fourteen defenders from playing against Mahomes. Because sometimes the way Mahomes is able to escape the pocket, create plays out of nowhere, sometimes it feels like almost the Chiefs have 14 players on offense. I think that, I just think the Chiefs are going to get this win. They're going to cruise to 12-1. and Look, maybe Miami can put up a fight, 
but this is the game the Chiefs should have in the bag as Chiefs after that, you know, that tough game against the Raiders where, you know, they lost and obviously, you know, it's, oh, wow, this team is not unbeatable. Well, it seems like they might be on their way to a possible 15-1 and season, which is not too shabby. So let's go to another Super Bowl rematch, this one being a Super Bowl 50, where the teams have pretty much drastically changed since then in the Denver Broncos and Carolina Panthers. I mean, Cam Newton's with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and Peyton Manning is going to go into the Hall of Fame very soon. So I like the Panthers in this one, and I just think the Broncos, I think they need a long-term quarterback. You know, I think Drew Locke has talent. I think we saw a lot of that talent last year. And look, he had the shoulder injury against Pittsburgh in Week 2. Maybe that's still bugging him a little. I don't know. But Drew Locke is just not the same guy. And when you expect quarterbacks who have had promising rookie seasons to take that next step. And look, Pat Shermer's a very good coordinator. Maybe it's that Cortland Sutton is out for the year and he was missed pretty early on. But there is talent around Locke. Gordon and Lindsay, pretty good duo. Jerry Judy, very good route runner. Noah Fant, obviously a great receiving threat and mismatch uh, against any team. And again, I actually, Pat Shermer, he was not cut out to be a head coach, but I actually really like him as an offensive coordinator. So Drew Locke just does not seem to be the answer. And Denver, who I believe, if again, if the season ended today, would be picking 10th overall. They could be in the market for a future long-term option at the quarterback position. Carolina, it's been a little up and down this season, but they've played pretty well at times. Obviously, a tough loss against the Vikings. Uh, they barely uh, lost to the Chiefs. That was a great game a dominating game against the Lions. So Panthers could easily have, you know, a couple more wins than they do. I think, you know, we didn't really know what to make of the Panthers. Uh, I didn't really love them coming into the year. But the Panthers have been very promising. Teddy Bridgewater's looked really good. That overall offense has looked really good. Obviously for Denver, no more A.J. Boye for the season. He's suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. So I expect this, I expect the Panthers' offense uh, to be able to move the ball pretty well, even without Christian McCaffrey, who is not expected to play to play this week once again. Uh, we'll see with this Panthers defense, which has you know kind of been up and down. You know, at times it's looked better than anyone else thought, and at times it's you know looked meh. Uh, Jeremy Chin though has been an unreal, an incredible bright spot on that, not just on that Panthers defense, but really on the entire team. He's put himself right in the thick of the defensive rookie of the year voting, right with a guy like Blackman of the Colts or Chase Young of Washington. I mean, Chin is right in the thick of the voting there. It would not surprise me one bit if he were to win that award. So Panthers, I think, are really trending in the right direction. At 4-8, and eight, it's probably, it's I think, too late to have some sort of turnaround, but I do think they get the win in against these Broncos. And you know, we'll see. I don't know if Bridgewater is their future quarterback. So Panthers could be looking for a possible uh, long-term option at the quarterback position as well. But I do, they're, from what I've seen this season, I like the Panthers' direction a lot more than what I've seen for Denver. Denver's battled some injuries. Boye's been on and off the field. Obviously, no Von Miller, nor, no Cortland Sutton. 
who I mentioned earlier. But I, I based on what I've seen this year and how maybe above expectations they played, uh, the Panthers, I feel like, have a lot more promise moving forward than the Denver Broncos. So now let's go to the Houston Texans facing the Chicago Bears. It's in Chicago, and that Bears defense is not what it typically is. You get smoked by Aaron Rodgers. It happens. The Lions... The, I, look, I'm a big fan of Matthew Stafford, but allowing 400 yards to Matthew Stafford, you know, Agent Peterson had a couple of touchdowns. I mean, Marvin, Marvin Jones, remember, no Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones goes for 8 and 116. TJ Hawkinson, 7 for 84. This Bears defense, I guess what, outside of another really good uh, rookie defensive back in Jalen Johnson, this Bears defense the last few weeks have been has been horrendous and it's been well below expectations. So I, I like Houston here. Deshaun Watson's playing maybe the best football of his career, given that obviously no DeAndre Hopkins. They cut Kenny Stills. Will Fuller's out for the year with his own suspension. So Deshaun Watson's playing incredible football. The Bears, they look like a mess. It they're directionless. You know, some teams are rebuilding some teams are on the come up. Some teams are already at the peak of the mountain and are looking to win a title. I don't know where the Bears are going. And it, they need a, another team that really needs a long-term answer at quarterback. Look, they have pieces. Allen Robinson, but he's a free agent at the end of the season. The defense, as I said, with Cleo Mack and you know Jalen Johnson, who's been a, a bright spot, one of the lone bright spots on that team. You know, they have pieces, but overall, that, that Bears team, I've, I don't know what direction they're headed in, and they're kind of stuck in the middle, which, you know, when looking at it, might be the worst place to be. You know, sometimes it's, you just want to tear it down and rebuild and start from scratch, or you're going for it, but being kind of stuck in the middle, where you're kind of going for it, but you're kind of rebuilding, and you're going halfway with each, that's just not the way to build a successful ball club with who wants sustained long-term success. So I don't, this offseason is going to be really fascinating for the Bears in terms of what they, what do they do at quarterback? Do they let go of Matt Nagy? Do they let go of Ryan Pace, their general manager? So um, Bears will be a very intriguing team to watch as the season concludes to see what moves they make personnel-wise at some pretty key components of that organization. So now let's go to a game a month ago I don't think anyone would have tuned into. And that's the Cardinals and Giants. A lot of people probably would have predicted Kyler's going to have a huge day. And the Cardinals are going to blow out the Giants. Dan Jones will probably turn the ball over like he always does. But a lot can change in a month. This Giants team is 1-7. They're 5-7. And, and, oh yeah, they just marched into Seattle, cross-country, and beat, and beat Russell Wilson with Colt McCoy. They didn't even do it with Daniel Jones. They did it with their backup quarterback, holding the Seahawks to 12 points, only 10 on the offensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson had probably maybe his worst game of the year, and Pete Carroll just sounded so defeated and stunned with how the Giants, for the most part, dominated on that side of the ball. I saw a report, I believe it was, it was on NFL Network, that they just ran plays Russell Wilson was comfortable because they didn't know exactly how to game plan for the Giants defense because how 
multiple they so were and how well they were able to make adjustments on the fly. So, which is huge credit to Patrick Graham, the Giants' defensive coordinator. Leonard Williams having a career year, two and a half sacks against Seattle, eight and a half on the season. I'm going to, this is really a toss-up for me. I'm going to go with the Cardinals, though. I'm going to stick with the Cardinals. Russell Wilson is obviously very mobile, but Kyler Murray's ability to... He runs more than Russell Wilson, which, again, I'm not saying Kyler is better or, you know, any of that. But he does run more than Russell Wilson. He also, at least on TV, looks a little faster and more twitchy uh, when running than Russell Wilson does. And there's concern... Is Blake Martinez really the one of the Giants' captains, uh, the pillar middle linebacker in the middle of that defense? So that concerns me for the Giants. Is a is he going to play at all? And b if he does play, how limited is he? Can he do everything? Uh, can he make tackles in space? So that that's that'll be very interesting to see too. So Bradbury versus DeAndre Hopkins, I think is gonna be an, a mar- could be a marquee cornerback receiver matchup. You know, DK had five catchers for eighty yards, but a catch or two was an on Bradbury and so Bradbury's played all pro level at an all pro level all season long. So really one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the game against uh in DeAndre Hopkins against Bradbury who's who's having his own career year. So that that'll be just a really fun cornerback receiver matchup to watch. It was snowing in New York the other day. And I think if it snows on Sunday and it's chilly and mother nature uh is in full force, that could create fits for the Cardinals. You know, I'm not saying their offense isn't adaptable, but they are used to playing in a dome in Arizona with control with a controlled climate. While Joe Judge loves to practice out in the cold and in rain and snow and any elements to get his team ready for these type of games. The Giants, no matter what the weather is, they're going to be ready. They're going to be prepared. So if Mother Nature brings all the elements, and you know that, I think that could prove to be difficult for the Cardinals. I'm still going to go with the Cardinals. And it's you know, it, this is really tough, but no matter the end result, it will not surprise me one way or another. Now let's go to the Dallas Cowboys, who were just plain embarrassing on Tuesday night. Like, I thought the Ravens would win, and I thought they would win even more when it was official that Lamar Jackson would be playing. But Baltimore ran for almost 300 yards. Dallas had almost two full weeks. They played Washington on Thursday on that Thanksgiving game. Then they played... Then, remember, their game, which is supposed to be a full week on Thursday, gets pushed back almost another week because of the Steelers-Ravens postponements. So they had, what, almost two weeks to plan? And they still got gashed on the ground. That was embarrassing. It showed just a lack of preparation, and there was just a lack of heart, a lack of effort, which I think falls directly on the coach. And that's Mike McCarthy. I mean, that, that... you know, when you when you see Orlando Brown screaming easy money into the camera, it was. That was easy money. Uh, the, the Cowboys should be embarrassed and should be ashamed of their performance on Tuesday night. 
I mean, that was atrocious. And they deserve to get their primetime game, Sunday night game against San Francisco next week, moved out of primetime. And they, that game, I believe, is now going to be a 1 o'clock game just because of how, you know, the Niners obviously aren't great with them, in their own right with Nick Mullins. But that was putrid. And if you're a Cowboys fan, that that performance might make you want to throw up. I mean, that was awful. I think they bounced back this week against the Bengals. If Joe Burrow were playing, I'd pick the Bengals. I'd pick the Bengals if Joe Burrow were playing. He's not. Brandon Allen hasn't played great. I think the Bengals will be able to run the ball pretty well. But no, uh, Mixon, I believe, isn't playing this week. We'll see with Giovanni Bernard. He's a solid running back. Really good pass catching running back. So I think he will get his fair share along with the rest of the Bengals' offense. I think they'll all do pretty well. But without Joe Burrow... It could be a bit more of a struggle than normally. The Cincy defense isn't great. And I think Andy Dalton, we've seen good Andy Dalton. We've seen terrible Andy Dalton. I think we see solid Andy Dalton. I think he's going to be solid. But with Brandon Allen starting, I do think the Cowboys are able to get a win. And I think offensively, they'll be able to do enough. And I think without Burrow, I don't think the defense will be as gassed or get as just destroyed as they did against the Ravens but win or lose that should not take away from the fact of what just happened on Tuesday night which was horrendous and Jerry Jones should be embarrassed and ashamed of the performance the Cowboys laid out for all of America to see that that's how bad that game was so now let's go those were the one o'clock games uh, a lot of a lot of good one o'clock games. Uh, obviously, Chiefs Dolphins even a game that you know maybe shouldn't be too close. A team that's already at the peak versus a team on the rise. Cardinals Giants another really good game. So Vikings Bucks is a third. So should get a lot of competitive games against teams vying for the playoffs. So let's get to the afternoon games: the Colts and the Raiders, two teams that. Again, fighting for the playoffs. Raiders, I mean, they almost lost to the Jets, who I don't even know if they want to win. I don't even know if the Jets want to win. Like, would it, you know, there have been, you know, the people are saying, like, did uh, did Greg Williams get forced to call cover zero just so they could lose the game? Like, the I think Jets fans were probably happier than Raiders fans when Henry Ruggs caught the touchdown to win the game. Uh, Jets fans don't want to win. I don't even know if the actual team wants to win, based on the ending against the Raiders. If the Raiders lost that game, they'd be 6-6. Six and six. They would be 500 in a very competitive AFC, where you have teams like the Colts, and you have teams like the Dolphins, and the Ravens, and the Browns. Raiders need all the wins they can get. And after a shellacking against Atlanta, and that performance, which, yeah, they won, but against a Jets team where... That was probably way too close for comfort. I I don't see them beating a team like the Colts. You know, Colts, they very well easily could have lost their own game to the Texans. So a couple, you know, iffy games against the Titans where they got absolutely embarrassed and blown out. No DeForest Buckner. So I do think that obviously really hurt them, especially in the ground game. I think they have a... You know, they bounced back against Houston. Obviously, Houston could have, you know, was going in for the score late in the game. Deshaun Watson fumbles with the snap, Colts recover, and that pretty much ended it. Colts defense, though, has played very well all season long. 
Derek Carr, he had a really he had a really nice game, but I think the Colts are going to do a better job than the Jets did at guarding Darren Waller. I I have a hunch Darren Waller is not going to have 200 receiving yards in this game. I don't know why, but I have a hunch that the Colts will do just at least a slightly better job than the Jets did against Darren Waller. So yeah, I got the, I got the Colts winning. I think their defense is going to really step up. Derek Carr, again, he had a solid game against the Jets, but you know, he he had he didn't play great consistently. I feel like Carr he's played pretty well overall this season, but I do want to see some consistency. Same goes for Philip Rivers, but at the end of the day, the most consistent unit in my mind on the field will be that Colts defense. They seem to be healthy. That I th- I just think the Colts defense is going to force some turnovers, and I think Derek Carr in that offense is just going to have a really tough day, especially if Josh Jacobs doesn't go again, and I think the Colts offense against a suspect Raiders defense and secondary will be able to do plenty to get a win and improve to 9-4, and four. Which, obvi- which obviously is big with the Titans. I'm also projecting, or predicting, I guess, a Titans win, so both teams would improve to 9-4. and four. So now let's go to those those Jets I was just uh, talking about. And they face the Seattle Seahawks. They have to go cross-country to Seattle. And the Seahawks should have a field day. Russell Wilson coming off probably his worst game of the year. The Seahawks offense overall coming off, you know, at least in, in at the top of my mind, their worst game of the year against the Giants. Russell Wilson should have a field day. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they should all have field days. This game should not be close. Seattle should pour it on early, middle, and late. And this game should be over before it starts. That Seattle has to make a statement. You know, look, praise the Giants. They were unbelievable. And the Giants should be getting all the praise. But Seattle also did not play well. And they haven't played well the last few weeks. I believe what? They started 5 and 0, they're now 8 and 4. They're 3 and 4. That's not great and that's not going to get it done in the playoffs. You know, they faced teams like the Cardinals. They did win, but they also lost. They lost to the Rams. They're losing to really good competitive teams. So they have to make a statement game, a get right game against a team they absolutely should be destroying in the Jets. If this game is close. That's a cause for concern. It's a red flag for the Seahawks. There have been times, and there have been times I actually think the Jets were in games. I thought the Raiders, they, I didn't think they would beat the Raiders, but I definitely actually did think that would be close. Maybe not as close as it turned out to be, but I did think that would actually be a pretty close game. I thought a couple games possibly against the Dolphins could have been close. I wasn't too surprised to see the Chargers and Patriots games against them close, so you know, it's not like I've predicted the Jets to get blown out every single week. There's actually been quite a few times where I predicted the Jets to be fairly competitive. But not that this game should not be competitive. The Seattle should punch them in the mouth early, spray the ball around, and take care of business. There's no, there's no exception, no excuse not to. <laughs> so that's that. And you could probably say the same for this next game. And that's the Packers and Lions. You know, Lions, great, you know, great win under uh, Derek Bevel. 
Stafford had an incredible game against the Bears defense in Chicago division game. Away division games are always tough to win. And the Packers are, this is an away division game for the Green Bay Packers, traveling to Detroit. But Devontae Adams could have 200 yards in this game. Devontae Adams has been unbelievable this season. His relationship on the field with Aaron Rodgers has been incredible. It seems to be only getting stronger with each week. So Aaron Rodgers should take care of business, and I think he will take care of business. I, You know, Jair Alexander against whoever the line's number one is. We'll see if Gaudi plays or not. The Packers should win this game, and I think they will win this game. Aaron Rodgers, you know, no matter where he's played, has played incredible football. It's him and Mahomes for the MVP. It's a two-team race between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be really fun because a lot of people believe and think Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. He was the guy coming out, a lot of, you know, obviously he had all the arm talent hype, and he won, he won the Super Bowl as well, pretty early in his career, actually, very early in his playing career. And obviously we see some of the throws he makes from all different kinds of arm angles on the run, you know, to the left and to the right, you know, making plays out to the pocket, being creative, just like Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is, I think, doing that to probably a whole nother level. But Aaron Rodgers doing things that maybe weren't quite to the level of Mahomes, but doing things pretty similar before and before anyone knew who Patrick Mahomes was. You know, we're talking about 20, 2010, 2011, 2012. You know, a good full decade, uh, you know, ago. So, I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's kind of showing the NFL world he's not going anywhere. You know, there were questions, obviously, then with the Jordan Love pick. Is he washed? You know, what does he have left in the tank? And he's showing that he still has a whole lot left in the tank. As the Packers, I think, are right there with the Saints as a top team in the NFC. (coughs) Excuse me. So, now let's go to... Two teams that have had really disappointing seasons should be a very competitive game, but two teams that are just really disappointing, and that's the 4-8 and eight Falcons against the 3-9 and nine Chargers. Both these teams, I feel like, have way too many, way too much talent to have seven combined wins. I mean, Justin Herbert and Matt Ryan, Julio Jones and Keenan Allen, and the list can go on. But there's way too much talent on both these teams to be where they are. And this is this is a very tough game to pick. And I think I'm going to go with the Falcons. I'm going to go with the Falcons just because I think they've been much better under Raheem Morris. And I think I probably trust Raheem Morris right now more than I trust Anthony Lynn. I mean, the Chargers, I, did they even prepare for the Patriots game? I know I talked about it earlier when I was thinking about when I was talking about the Patriots. But did they even like prepare for that game? I mean, that was atrocious. Obviously, I said, you know, I picked the Patriots coming in, but 45 to nothing? 45 to nothing. And some of that is unbelievable coaching by Belichick. And that's why I picked the Patriots to win. Belichick doesn't lose to rookie quarterbacks. But 45 to nothing? The constant in-game management questioning and decision-making. A big reason why the Chargers, you know, don't have two or three more wins. Yes, their defense has blown leads, but... I think you've also looked look at the Giants. They blew every possible lead imaginable the first half of the season. 
since then, tough, tough games, close competitive games at the end, they've been able to hold on to it. They've shown incredible progress closing out games. The Chargers haven't shown an ounce of progress when it comes to closing out games. I think I think it's going to be a really fun game. I think Justin Herbert's going to get right back on track with a big game against a very bad Falcons secondary. I just also think Matt Ryan, the Falcons offense, is going to have a very big game. I think this is going to be a shootout, and I think this game could very well come down to who has the ball last. It'll probably come down to who has the ball last, almost regardless of timing. You know, if a team has the ball with 10 seconds left and they're down a touchdown, who knows? Who knows, because both these defenses have struggled, especially late in games. Especially late in games. And that's really plagued both these two teams, along with a lot of other teams. But these two teams in particular, especially when we talk about teams that had such high hopes, high expectations, especially considering I thought the Chargers were a solid team, even with questions at the quarterback, and then... If you told me Justin Herbert was as good as he was in start of week two, I would have probably thought the Chargers were a playoff team. Obviously, that's not the case. They're 3-9. and nine. Chargers are headed in the right direction. We'll see where the Falcons are headed. They're obviously looking for a new coach or GM. I do think Raheem Morris should get serious consideration for that job. But we'll see. We'll see. Two teams that, look, it should be a fun game on Sunday. But two teams that were massive disappointments, at least in my mind, heading into this season. I think these were two teams that were very good, were very or should have been very competitive and should have been pretty good. And again, that was even with that with questions at the quarterback position for the Chargers. I didn't even think Justin Her Justin Herbert has impressed me so much. I didn't I thought he would be I thought he'd have his highlight real plays like we've seen. But I almost thought for every two highlight highlight real plays you'll have one or two of some of the most head-scratching decisions all season and he's done an incredible job of limiting them to begin with but then also cleaning those up on a game-to-game basis so he's shown even he hit the ground running but even he has shown incredible progression throughout the season so I'm going with Atlanta but I do think both Herbert the Chargers offense and then along with Ryan and the Falcons offense this this should be a shootout I would be fairly surprised if this turned into a defensive battle. And I think it'll be a shootout with the Falcons coming out on top. Julio might not play. And obviously that'll be big. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'd go with the Chargers in that, ca- in that case. But for now, I'll go with the Falcons. So now let's go to Washington. And I said it last week. I said it in the podcast. I did not think... I thought that Washington Steelers game was going to be a really good competitive game. I did pick the Steelers, but I was I was very worried that that was probably the I'm trying to think was it that or the first time I picked the Steelers to beat the Ravens when the game was in Baltimore, but I'd say probably the Washington game was the most nervous I was picking the Steelers, even against the Ravens both times. That was even against the Titans. That was probably, against Washington last week, that was probably the most nervous I was and hesitant I was in picking the Steelers. And look, Washington won, and obviously great for them, but it didn't surprise me. It was, sure, it was an upset, but it wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't a shocker. It wasn't a shocker at all. And, you know, part of it was they were facing the Steelers at the most, you know, the best time when... 
you know, obviously, Bud Dupree had just torn his ACL, and they were coming off a week of postponements where so much uncertainty and so much, you know, getting ready, getting ready, and then the game gets pushed back again, just pure exhaustion. But I'm going with Washington again. They're facing the Niners this week. Both teams are 5-7. and seven. Niners, they have a great win against the Rams, and then they come out pretty much flat against the Bills. They had some opportunities early that they couldn't cash in on. And Washington has that great defensive line. The Niners, obviously their defensive line is really banged up. Alex Smith is playing very well for the for Washington. Nick Mullins has been very inconsistent for San Francisco, along with the that entire offense. So I'm going with Washington. And right now, they're my pick for the division. Uh, I think it's probably close. Them and the Giants, I think, are very close in terms of play and coaching and talent. But Washington has a much easier schedule. I mean, Washington, I believe, has San Francisco this week. Then they have Seattle, Carolina, and Philly. When the Giants have the Cardinals this week. And then they have the Browns, Ravens, and Dallas. So the Giants just have a much more difficult schedule. And a much more difficult path to the playoffs than Washington does. And that's really why I'm going with Washington at the end of the day. If all things were equal, I'd actually probably pick the Giants. The schedule is not equal, especially these last four weeks. So I'm going with Washington again this week against San Francisco, and I'm going with Washington at this point to win the NFC East. And I do think I do think it's a possibility Washington could win a playoff game. I obviously I'll get to that if they do win the NFC East. I'll get to that point when that time arises, see who they're playing, how they are, how both teams are in terms of injuries. But if Washington does win the NFC East, I do think they can. I do think it's very much in the realm of possibility they win the playoff game. Same with the Giants, if the Giants were to uh, win that division as well. So, now let's go to, no, not Drew Brees versus Carson Wentz, but Taysom Hill against Jalen Hurts. Raise your hand if you thought that would be the matchup week 14 of the season. Now put your hands down because you are most 100% certainly lying. And no way did you think we'd get Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. Taysom Hill's actually looked good. Taysom Hill has done plenty to get his team wins. Now, I will say, he faced Atlanta twice and Ken- Kendall Hinton. As, you know, the Broncos navigated through that, where all their quarterbacks were high-close contact with Jeff Driscoll, who did test positive. And... I, the Saints get a win, and I think Taysom, a big reason why they're still winning without Drew Brees, because no, not the Rams, not the Colts, not the Steelers, not Washington. The New Orleans Saints have the number one defense in terms of yards yards allowed per game. The Saints' defense is dominant. I, I remember when Drew Brees had to put up 35 a game, and they would still go 8-8. Eight and eight. I remember when that offense was the best in the NFL. And they were a 6-7 win team. Because the defense was the laughing stock of the league. Now, the defense isn't just good. It's not just great. It's unbelievably excellent. It is pure dominance on that defense. And who is might and who's a big contributor to that? No, not Cameron Jordan, although he's, you know, obviously a very good player in his own right. 
but Trey Hendrickson. Now, who's Trey Hendrickson? He is a pass rusher for the New Orleans Saints. He obviously uh, plays on the opposite side of Cameron Jordan, and he has ten and a half sacks. You know who also has ten and a half sacks? Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett. You know who has more than ten and a half sacks? Number one, TJ Watt with twelve. Number two, Aaron Donald with eleven. That is the entire list ahead who has more sacks, not same, but more sacks than Trey Hendrickson. Two players. And they're probably one two in defensive player of the year voting. In Watt Donald. Whatever order you want to put him. Put him in. Garrett was obviously up there. He was placed on the COVID list, got COVID. He missed a couple games. Still is having a very dominant year, but him missing a couple games might take him out. But Trey Hendrickson's dominating for the New Orleans Saints. And he is getting almost no recognition for the season he's had, which is truly incredible. I, d- I just think the Saints, they continue their dominance, mainly on defense. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a tough game. It's you always want to set your guys up for success, especially at the quarterback position, especially as a rookie. And you're putting them putting them up against the New Orleans Saints, who again, if we're looking at yards allowed for a defense, the New Orleans Saints rank not top five, not top three, not top two. But number one overall. They're number I believe they're num they're number two in run defense, which obviously doesn't help with Jalen Hurts. You know, you want to establish the run. And oh yeah, they're number four in pass defense. Their defense is absolutely dominant. And it's not a great situation for a young rookie quarterback making his first career start. So now let's go to the Steelers against the Bills. A lot of people are going to go with Buffalo, and I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think the Steelers finally had that chance to almost hit the reset button. You lose a game, it's a wake-up call. You know, Washington punches you in the mouth, it's a wake-up call. You now also, with the weird scheduling, you know, obviously you don't get a full week because you played Monday, but still you played Monday night, you played Sunday night. You got a basically what a, you know what equals almost a normal week now on the NFL schedule. So I think Pittsburgh bounces back. They get the win. They were able to hit the reset button, able to kind of get a wake up call. And hey, we are beatable. We're not you know we're eleven. This is still an eleven one team. This team still has a lot of talent. When you look at both the offensive side of the ball with Ben Roethlisberger and Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. They have to. They can't drop passes. That's been a huge bugaboo and Achilles heel for that Steelers offense. And we saw it on full display with Ebron and Johnson. You cannot drop as many passes as they did against Washington. If that continues, Steelers are bound for a first-round exit. They're not, they're not doing anything in the playoffs if those drops continue. Bills are coming off a very strong win against the Niners. Very strong win. I just think that Steelers defense 
against Josh Allen. It's going to be a really fun battle on Sunday night. And Josh Allen, remember, he was great, then he was okay, then now, now he's, like, great again. So I think Josh Allen, I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think, I think he's really that good. But even without Bud Dupree, I think the Steelers' defense could make it hard for him. I think they can make it possibly hard for guys like Diggs and uh, John Brown. We we saw, I mean, McLaurin was basically a no-show. Now, again, credit to Washington. They still won with that. But we saw Pittsburgh really able to take away some of the top playmakers for uh, the Washington football team. And I think that defense will be able to do that against uh against uh, Buffalo. And I think, you know, this game's in Buffalo, which makes it even tougher. And again, I think this is going to be maybe the best game of the week. And it's so, you know, it's great that it's Sunday night football. The whole world can watch. It's the only game on at that time. But I will, I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills to edge, just edge out a win. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I'm going to pick the Steelers to edge out a win against the Buffalo Bills. So, now let's go to... The two other, as the Monday night game, the two other uh, AFC North teams. We talked about the Bengals. We talked about. We just talked about Pittsburgh. Now let's talk about the Ravens and the Browns. Browns finally on national TV get to show if they are for real. You know we've talked. We've we kind of talked down about. Oh, they don't beat a real opponent. Well, they beat Tennessee, and their offense destroyed that defense. And. I don't know if that was mainly the Cleveland offense, Noah Dory Jackson, or just the overall, you know, incompetence of that Titans defense. But now you get the a division opponent who you lost thirty eight to six in week one. Remember, the Browns lost thirty eight to six that week. And everyone was saying, Oh, well, Stefanski's not the answer, Baker still stinks, Browns need to hit the reset button. This did not work out. Well, obviously, since that, they are 9-2. Pretty good. And Baker's coming off a career game, probably his best game of the season, or of his career, really, and that Browns offense could not have been clicking more against the Titans. Well, again, you're facing a suspect defense to begin with without its top cornerback. You're facing maybe the best secondary in all the NFL now, in the Baltimore Ravens. Marcus Peters is not the same guy but he he's still a really good cornerback, and yeah, I believe Marlon Humphrey is still there. This Ravens defense has been unbelievable all year. I think I saw that Judon's coming back as well. The Ravens are their defense is incredible, and I think Lamar, you know, there was how much the COVID affect him. Obviously, you know, COVID affects different people in different ways, affects different players in different ways. Some guys come up, come back immediately, never miss a beat. Some guys takes a while. I think possible. I think that's a big reason why the Patriots kind of struggled in the middle of the season because I think COVID really got to Cam and I think Cam's finally healthy. We'll see if it's too too a little too late for them. But Lamar seems to, you know, have responded pretty well, which, you know, good for him. But I like the Ravens in this game. I like the Ravens in this game. But if you're Cleveland, you have a chance to show the entire world what you're made of. Their game against the Giants got flexed into Sunday night. So really, you're going to have back-to-back weeks of Cleveland prime time showing the world that they're legitimate. But a big division game in the AFC North where 
Cleveland, if Cleveland wins and they go to 10-3, and three, and if Pittsburgh does lose to Buffalo, you're a game back, and oh yeah, you face each other Week 17. So that would be a great fun game to watch. But also, you just see progression. Again, you lost by over 30 points to this team in Week 1. What are you now? How have you changed? You know, Can you compete with some of the best teams, teams that you very well could be playing in the playoffs? And for Baltimore, they're on the outside looking in. You know, they're 7-5, but they're staring up at teams like the Colts. They're staring up at teams like the Dolphins, who obviously against the Chiefs, very losable game. And if you're Baltimore, and you can win this game, you're one game behind Cleveland and have the tiebreaker after sweeping them. So this is a big game for both teams. But I do like the Ravens. I, I just think their defense is going to create fits like it did week one. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not, I think they'll be able to score more than six points. And I think, I don't think it'll be as an atrocious outing for that Browns offense as we saw in week one. But I do think the Baltimore defense gets their way. And I think Lamar is able to do plenty. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Miles Garrett, that'll be fun to watch. But I do think the Ravens offense will do more than enough. And I think the defense is able to have another great game. So that's it for the week 14 schedule of this NFL season. I guess my final one more thing is going to be on Carson Wentz. He needs to get out of Philly. He needs to. I think, I don't know if he might play again in Philly, but I don't know if he'll ever succeed in Philly. Teams like the Colts, the Steelers, if Ben Roethlisberger's done, maybe the Bears. Teams that I really mentioned for Sam Darnold should be in for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, we I talked about last week. Ignore all the doubters, shake them out of your head, focus on what you have to focus on. You know, take feedback as coaches, but don't worry about it. Whatever happened years ago with Nick Foles about fans wanting Nick Foles and not you, shut them all out. I think he needs a new beginning. He needs a new beginning. He needs a change of scenery. And, oh, yeah, the Colts have Frank Reich, who was, I believe, the offensive coordinator with Carson Wentz when Carson Wentz was taking the league by storm. So I think that that's an ideal fit. But even one of those other teams that could be looking for a quarterback in the offseason, I think that's a team Carson Wentz needs to go to. He needs a new start from scratch. He needs a completely new start from scratch. A new fan base that'll get excited about him instead of tearing him down. A, you know, a fan base that'll really rally around him, like Philly did not too long ago. He needs a new beginning and a new start. And it might be too late for that in Philly, especially after going to Jalen Hurts. I think Wentz still has all the talent in the world, and it amazes me after what I saw in his near MVP season where he tore his ACL. After what I was thinking, as a Giants fan, he's going to rule this division for a long, long time. He and Dak, but he looked special. I mean, what I, he was unbelievable that year. And I'm thinking he, he is going to rule, be one of the rulers in the division, maybe along with Dak, and put the Eagles in the playoffs consistently for the next decade. And where has that gone? He needs a new start. He has to start over. 
he has to hit the reset button. Because with all the criticism in Philly about Wentz, I think it's too late. I think it's too late for him to start over in Philly. And I think he needs a change of scenery and a change of scenery fast. So that, that that's kind of my thoughts on Carson Wentz. He still has a ton of talent. Maybe it's going back to your old uh, coach in Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Maybe it's going to somewhere where you just get a blank slate. I don't know. Carson Wentz needs to get out of Philly, though. If he ever wants to get his career back on track and kind of, you know, capture what he did in his really, not only in that near MVP season, but also his rookie year. Even though Philly only went, I believe, 7-9, and nine, there are a lot of traits, and there are a lot of times I saw Carson Wentz where I thought he's going to be good for a long, long time. And I, it just puzzles me to see, like, where did that go? It really does puzzle me. So, that's all the time we have on this week 14 edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. A lot of really good games. Obviously, the stretch run is in full force in this NFL season. I'm Alex Rubinson. Hopefully, Shai Dweck will be back with us next week. Hopefully, you'll all be back with us next week as well for our next edition, week 15. See you then on NFL Game Time Podcast.